Hello and welcome to The Appetite, a podcast brought to you by Opal Food and Body Wisdom, an eating disorder treatment center in Seattle, Washington. The Appetite is all about issues of food, body, sport, and mental health. I'm your host, Carter Umhau, a therapist, artist, and writer. So today we are talking about a workshop that our co-founders have been leading for young women. So today we have... Dr. Lexi Giblin. I'm a psychologist and executive director at Opal. And I'm Kara Bazzi. I'm the clinical director at Opal. And we also have a special guest. Hi, Hannah. Hi. <laughs> Hannah, who are you? <laughs> I'm Hannah. Yeah. Um, Kara's daughter. Mm-hmm. How old are you? I am nine. You're nine. Yeah. Welcome to the podcast. Thank How's you. it feeling so far? Good. I'm a little nervous, a little excited, mostly excited. Yep. (laughs) Me too. Me too. (laughs) So Kara and Lexi, can you tell us a little bit about the workshop that you two have developed? Yeah. So we decided to do this workshop after I had been introduced to a curriculum that I found called Healthy Bodies. It is a curriculum that was developed for fourth graders. And this woman, Kathy Cater, brought this curriculum into the Minnesota Public School District. So she believed that what the the school was teaching around health and wellness was missing an important component. And so she developed this wonderful curriculum, and somehow I got my hands on it. I don't remember who introduced me to it or where I found it, but as soon as I saw that, I was wondering how I could both bring that into my daughter's school at the time and also what I could do to spread some of these messages with young kids. And of course, felt pretty motivated by my own children. Mm -hmm. So when Sophia was heading into fourth grade, I brought the idea to Lexi and she was excited to do it with me. And we put together this curriculum and had a group of 13 or so girls. And then we did it again this year and we just ended our last workshop um, yesterday. How did it go? It was fabulous. Good, I mean, yeah. this it was really fun. It was a lot of fun to do it a second time, too, because we had learned a lot the first time. And, of course, with each group, things were a little bit different because the, the kids were different, had different focuses or concerns or things that they had energy around. And so it was fun to see what um, Hannah's group of peers was what they wanted to talk about, yeah. basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and we brought our older daughters who had been previously in the class back to this class to be teaching assistants. And that was really fun to see them in kind of a leadership teaching role. Yeah. And you could really see. Oh, yeah, They were very much. More developed. Um, yeah, ad- advanced thinkers on this topic. Mm-hmm. Lexi had that idea and I it was brilliant because, it, again, it's also they were supporting the younger girls, but then I think it was solidifying some of their own thoughts and thinking around it to be kind of in that teaching role. It's mm-hmm. really cool. Lexi, you had written your dissertation on a related topic. Isn't that right? Yeah. So my research back in the early 2000s was on adolescent peer conversations, so how girls talk to each other and how this impacts body image satisfaction or dissatisfaction. And so we really found that the way girls are talking to each other has a major impact on how they feel about their body. So I knew from that research that we could impact a group of girls' conversations potentially and 
you know, at, at age 10, if they get this information now, how will their conversations, how will the dialogues be different if they have this information and they have a community of like-minded thinkers having the same mindset? So I'm curious about kind of how the workshop is structured based off of some of those ideas. Was there some thought around building particular ways of talking or conversation into the workshop itself? Not so much. We mostly just taught some key ideas, and then we assume that that will impact conversations. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. From the language we're using and the categories that we're bringing in. Mm -hmm. So let's jump in with the different categories of the workshop. Yeah. What would the first one be? The first time we did the workshop, we broke it into two nights, and we felt like it wasn't enough time. We were pretty short for time both evenings. So this time we broke it into three afternoons. And the first afternoon, the two topics that we decided to focus on was one, how our bodies change over time and the the changing body. And the second topic was identity. Good topics. Yes. So we talked with bodies changing over time. We talked about how your body changes throughout your life. It doesn't just stop when you're done with high school. And we talked a bit about puberty and how that is a time of massive change, but there's change throughout your life. And I always like to to talk about the change in your body that is expected when you go to college, because there's a lot of talk about people being concerned about gaining weight in college, but actually you're, you're like, it's normal to gain weight in college. So I always like to emphasize that piece. Okay, so we have Hannah Bozzi here, Kara's daughter. Hi, Hannah. Hi. We wanted to bring you in to kind of hear kind of how you explored these different topics in the workshop and what you thought about each thing. Yeah. So what did you think about this idea of bodies changing over time? Is that something you'd heard about before? Kind of from my mom and stuff. One of my favorite parts of that lesson was the story that Lexi read to us. It was about these Ramus. And what are those? Ramus? They're like this type of human, basically. Oh, okay. So there's this photographer, and he took pictures of like just like normal people, but he wasn't getting enough like popularity or any or something like that. So then he decided to take pictures of like cute little Ramu, and he got more and more like popular. So then he took like a lot of time taking pictures of just like the young things, but he <laughs> wanted to like start taking pictures of different things and stuff so we found like one like there's only like five of these people but like the most skinniest the most beautifulest like ever ramu and like young skinny woman that he could find but there's only like very rare amount of these people so he took like pictures of them and he got so much customers at first like the ramu women were fine with this but then they started getting like jealous And they thought, oh, if we, like, eat less, maybe we'll, like, look like these Ramu. So they ate so much, like, less. Then they started, like, craving this food so much more and ended up overeating. And, yeah, it was just really dark. Yeah. (laughs) Wow, that is dark. And, And such an interesting thing to think about someone taking a lot of attention and putting it on a really small group of people. Yeah. And then probably making it seem like that is the, the the type of person that is normal. Yeah. 
And then do you remember what happened at the end of the story? Didn't, like, the Ramu woman get, like, the Ramu models even get nervous that they were going to gain weight? So they, like, ate less, too? Well, and then they were, they didn't feel good anymore. And they started to get, they started to decide that it wasn't worth it. Yeah. And so, do you remember that part? Yeah. And so then everybody started eating again, right? And then it was a lot more happy. And there was more of a celebration of differences. And everybody was very excited to keep eating. (laughs) (laughs) Is this a true story? Well, it's true in the sense that it's a reflection of um, culture. Mm -hmm. More of a mythology. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 I like it. Mm-hmm. So when when you all were talking about different body changes and kind of understanding differences in bodies mm-hmm. and genetics, were you introduced to like kind of a new type of conversation with the other people in the group with you? Yeah. I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> this was our first lesson that okay. we gave. And I think at that point, too, the group was forming and becoming more comfortable. And so I'd say the first lesson, the girls felt probably a little bit more shy Mm. as they were just getting settled into the group. So it felt like it was a little bit hard to know where people were at in that lesson, where the girls were at in that lesson around that topic. And that was like the best to have like Ela and Sophia there because they would just kind of like add in little like silly moments and like kind of break the tension. Tension, yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. I remember talking about puberty in school, probably in fifth grade, and feeling so nervous. Yeah. And I barely remember any of the content of because <laughs> I just was like, what yeah. are we talking about? Kara and I, talk, if we do this again, Kara and I talked about not starting with puberty might yeah. be a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because the second lesson we did that day oh, yeah. was on identity, and I, I thought, and Hannah, yeah. we can hear what Hannah thought too, but... That one seemed to be an easier conversation to enter into because of the kids being able to relate to it more easily. And I think it was a little bit more comfortable. The big idea in that talk is that your identity helps you feel good about yourself and it's worth paying attention to. We did a little demonstration. Do you remember that, Hannah? Yeah. So we did this thing where she had like one card and it was like, well, this happened to my mom actually before. She had one card and it was, she always just thought of herself as a runner. So that was this one idea of herself, which if she like hurt herself, which she actually did, she broke her foot, that just whole idea goes away and you don't start, you like feel bad about yourself and you can go into like a lot of unpositive thoughts. But if you have like, if you're an artist, if you're like a runner and then you're also like a best friend, a mom, you have all these different identities, it's way harder to have one thing snap and then like not think about yourself good anymore. You used the word card earlier, like the card of being a runner. Yeah. And it made me think of like, if you only have one card to play, yeah, then that's all you've got. You can't play any other cards after that. Yeah. And so to be able to like kind of gather different kinds of identities as part of your deck would be a really helpful thing in life to be able to play different identity cards yeah. at different times mm-hmm. or to have some in your back pocket. Yeah. We actually kind of did that. She had one card and she we said. We actually brought a stack yeah. of cards. So she had like one card in her hand and like she was like, who wants to break this card? So somebody did. They just ripped it in half and it was gone. And then she started counting off all the different pieces of her life that she has. And she had got a ginormous stack of cards and then everybody kind of tried to break it, but nobody could. 
because there were so many cards. Ooh. They couldn't rip it. They tried real hard. <laughs> oh, I like that. Especially Charlotte. <laughs> <laughs> so Hannah, did you did you get a chance to think about kind of what cards you would have? Yeah. You, what are they? I think we actually did an activity with that. We actually kind of wrote them down mm-hmm. and was like, I kind of said I love art. I love to do basketball. I like to run. I like to bike. I like to play. So you got to, like, have a chance to think about your own identity and write it down. Awesome. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Yeah, we did a little (laughs) worksheet of all these different categories of things that people could consider. And one of the big teaching points is that you can pick things in your identity even if you're not good at them. You can pick them if you enjoy them even if you're not good. You can pick things you do well even if you don't do them very often. And you can pick things that you haven't tried but that you've dreamt of doing. Yeah. And so it makes for a much broader assortment of things that can make up your identity when you're thinking about all those different categories. Yeah. And I think either is my mom or Lexi <clears throat> said that like some of the clients didn't write down like they did like a same thing, like kind of the same thing with them. And they didn't write the things that they just like were actually like wanted to do because they like weren't good at them, mm. which is like so untrue because like you can get better at stuff by doing it. I like that idea. I always like to think too, because I ha- I sometimes have a hard time with that to yeah. think, well, I've never really tried that or I haven't tried it enough. Can I really say that I'm into it? Yeah. <laughs> and I like to remind myself that not everybody is into the thing I'm into. Like I'm really fascinated by baking. I love to bake, but I haven't baked that much lately, right? Or I happen to know a little bit more about that one, but I think that my point would be that if not everybody's interested in it, Lexi might not be interested in it, you might not be interested. So something about the fact that that's my interest says something about my identity, whether or not I've really lived into it yet or not. It can reflect a lot about what I want or what I care about. Yeah. And one other thing was like some people like wrote down stuff that they were like good at, but like actually didn't like doing just because like they were like good at it. So that was like another prospect brought in into like the conversation how do you think about that Lexi to to be good at something but not to like it yeah I mean I think that that happens all the time (laughs) 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 I relate to that a lot you know Mm -hmm. being good at something that you don't maybe there isn't much pleasure in but it's useful to others or useful to yourself in some way is that something to keep within your identity like concept of identity or to discard I think you get to choose. You get to choose. The cool thing about identity is that we get to claim it, you know, that we get to decide what goes into our identity. And so I think we get to make that call for ourselves. The main idea there is just like bringing in a lot of different things into your identity. The one other lesson point that felt important is having a mix of things that are external potentially and then things that are internal. Do you remember some of the internal qualities? Uh, yeah, like a kind person is like part of your identity. Like if I'm a f- friend to someone and I'm super kind to them, I would be like kind or I'm really courageous because I like did some like really cool thing that could be like another like inside identity. Which means that we have strong things when they're in the inside because it then circumstances don't affect yeah. that. They can be carried through our life. Yeah. Yeah. So what was the next category? Lexi, can you tell us about that one? 
The first night, we noticed that the girls were talking a lot about perfectionism in their in their way, and the conversation was sort of, "What do you do when I when you feel pressured to do the best possible?" And so, Karen and I decided to add in a lesson on perfectionism based on what we were hearing in the first night. Mm-hmm. So, Karen, do you want to talk about? Your lesson on perfectionism? We started off by defining it. And I really wanted to get the point across that there's nothing wrong with setting and striving for high personal standards or high personal goals. That's a big part of perfectionism that's really actually wonderful. But the part of perfectionism that can become problematic is the self-criticism that can come with it. So we really tease that apart for the girls because the big idea here was that you can achieve wonderful things while feeling good about yourself. Like you don't have to feel down on yourself while you're achieving things. Because this group of girls, a lot of them are achievers, yeah, especially with sports. Yeah. So we really wanted to hone in on that. So we actually did a little lesson on goal setting. Hannah, do you remember what we... Yeah. Talked about goal setting. There's like prospect goals and there's uh, outcome goals. So prospect is like the good kind, like the goals that like you can like achieve basically. And then do you remember why? So process goals. Oh yeah, because like you have control. And then (laughs) and then outcome goals is like say I really wanted to win the soccer game, but I don't know how my teams like how my team is doing. I don't know if the other team is going to be really hard. So that's kind of like an outcome goal. Like I can't really control it. So it's more about focusing on process rather than the result. Yeah. That's pretty Mm -hmm. helpful. Mm -hmm. So we went through like a little rubric of how we could set goals where there is more empowerment and setup for feeling good about yourself. So that was the part on self-talk. And then we talked about how we can tend to our bodies when we're feeling performance anxiety or perfectionism. And that's where Lexi taught a skill to the group. What is it? it. So it's the big (laughs) three plus one. And you like, you can lay your arms out and just like let your body breathe basically. And you can just like lay back and relax. And it's helpful when you're like stressful and part of like, well, we also talked about, like, part of being stressed was, like, your mind, your, like, body, and your heart. And, mm-hmm. um, like, different ways you can, like, get stressed by, like, each. You can talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> I want to hear from Lexi. Like, what is the the big three plus one? Yeah. Can you explain that in this context? Yeah. So we taught them this quick little way that you can calm yourself down, calm your body down at any point. And it's from RODBT, Radically Open Dialectical Behavioral Therapy, and it's called the Big Three Plus One, where you raise your eyebrows, take a deep breath, um, and have a closed mouth cooperative smile, not showing your teeth. (laughs) And then if you're sitting down, the plus one is leaning back. And so this tells your body that you're safe because we don't do any of those things when we're unsafe. So it's a little mini anxiety reducer that you can have with you all the time. Mm. So how would you think about those three different categories of mind? What was it, Hannah? Body, like your skin Mm -hmm. or something, and your heart. Mind, body, and heart. So body is the big three plus one is what we taught. The mind was doing some of the goal setting and starting, and we worked through some self-talk categories. And then the heart was we went actually back to the identity lesson And talked about the more that we have in our identity, the higher our worth. And we're going to be stronger in our worth 
our self-worth. And so that's a way to attend to the heart. How did you all talk about that, Hannah? Like what kinds of things did you maybe even think about in terms of those three categories for yourself? Well, I thought like kind of with my like skin or body, when I get like nervous, sometimes my stomach hurts. With my heart, sometimes I get like fear or something. And then with my head, I can like kind of be like, oh, are you sure you want to do this? Are you sure you're going to like do this or like something like that? And yeah. Mm -hmm. So it plays out in three different ways. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That same lesson, we talked about genetics. And so the lesson was basically that genes are the major way reason we look the way we look. A lot of information in our culture says if you eat a particular way and if you exercise a particular way, you can then look like this. But what we were teaching the girls is that actually it's genetics that's going to be the major determinant for your size and shape. And so we did some lesson work on thinking about our families and what characteristics they have that they can see in their family members. We made like a family tree um, where we would do like the different, we could see like the different like body parts like in like our family. Like all of my family has blue eyes, so I have blue eyes, like something like that. And you would draw it out and it would be like kind of like a little almost like tree basically. <laughs> and then you can see like the different things that you have in common with your family. Were you all able to talk about that in a way that presented some of that neutrality and lack of perfectionism? How were those tied? I think so, because I think our point is just you, you can kind of do all you want, but you're probably going to look similar to your ancestors. I mean, there's a lot of reasons to pursue health, but maybe there's no point to trying to change your body or shape because it's so genetically informed. It was also kind of fun to see, like, what we have in different from our family because we have so much the same. It's, like, fun to point out what's different. So I remember one girl at the Body Image Workshop was like, my hair color is kind of, like, orange, but my, like, family doesn't really have that. So she was, like, excited to, like, see that and see the difference between her and her family. That would be exciting to see. I also can imagine it could be hard sometimes, too, yeah. if you were the one person in your family that looked a little bit different for whatever reason, either by body shape or height or hair color. My niece is actually, she's got red hair and she's the only one. Mm -hmm. And I think she likes it, but she also doesn't really want to talk about it a lot. Yeah. Like the attention of being different can be hard as well. So is there another category to Yeah, so then, the, then yesterday was our last one. And we hit three categories. We invited Julie Church into the workshop, which was really fun. So she did a lesson on relationship to food. I spoke about relationship to movement. And then Lexi did a lesson on role models. So what did Julie bring in that felt distinctive about kind of relationship to food and nutrition? Yeah, so Julie, I think, did a great job of covering sort of our basic human needs and did a little experiment with the do you remember the experiment? She brought in um, straws and she had a, all of us breathe through a straw to get an experience of seeing what it's like to have air restriction essentially as a basic human need and had all the girls kind of share what it was like to breathe through a straw for a particular amount of time. The air diet. The air yeah. diet. <laughs> the air diet. Oh, no. <laughs> 
And so it was a good um, thing to experience and then be able to talk about what that means when it comes to food and not having an adequate amount of food. So she talked about the importance of just we're human and therefore we eat. And yet the way we eat is very different. It's very individualized. Like some people have their square meals a day. Some people have large snacks throughout the day. So she kind of gave room for all the ways that people eat differently and have different food choices and have different preferences for food. And then she talked about the value of food and she uses the acronym food, F-O-O-D, and F stands for... Well, I don't remember F or Fuel. D, but I remember the oohs and the ahs or O's. Yeah, and what's the oohs and the ahs? So, like, the food that you want to eat, like, comfort food maybe, or, like, I th- really like ice cream. So, like, ice cream would be one of my ooh or ah. Yeah, so those are, like, mm. the pleasure foods. And then D is the delivery of nutrients. So she went a little, she did a, a basic lesson on the major nutrients that we need for our bodies. But really emphasizing the oohs and the ahs, the, the times that we eat for pleasure and, and that that's really important and that helps us survive because we're motivated to eat for pleasure. Yeah, and I think that last night was actually my favorite because I can like relate to a lot of things she says. Like sometimes I like stress eat or sometimes I like eat because like I'm bored, bored, like bored eating. <laughs> so I can like I had some questions and it was fun to like hear her perspective like I can hear my mom's perspective but I like to have like multiple different things yeah what kinds of questions did you ask her do you remember well I don't really remember but I remember what she said to me like it's kind of like it's not amazing if you just have one thing that you do for board like always eat but like if you have like different like sometimes I'm bored and I watch a show or sometimes I'm bored and I go outside and play with my neighbor or I ride my bike like I have multiple things to do I really liked hearing about that air diet idea or metaphor because it sounds horrible <laughs> but it also it also reminded me of um, snorkeling mm. earlier in the month I was in Mexico I think I mentioned that on one of the podcasts and I'd made the flight and I got to Mexico and we, I was swimming with whale sharks which is Ooh. intense they're like actually sharks they are kind sharks but they are sharks and it's terrifying and I got thrown in the water with a snorkel on and I had to catch up with the whale shark. <laughs> I'm like swimming after a whale shark, but with a tube for my breathing. And I'm cold, <laughs> like moving, trying to move quickly. And it's a shark. And so my air supply being so limited through a snorkel was really quite <laughs> quite difficult to just think like, okay, there are all these things that I want in this moment. And I have a limited resource and I need to like calm down and breathe in this particular way. Um, So when you guys said that, it made me think of that and made me think about how difficult if you were on a food diet, again, like wanting to catch up with a shark and swim and be connected (laughs) and be excited and calm down, like all at once that uh, that restriction of a resource in any setting would make an experience really difficult. Yeah, I remember choking on the straw and having to spit it out. Yeah. And one girl, we were singing about, like, how that made us feel. And one girl was like, well, it kind of made me feel nauseous. Yeah, Yeah. that makes sense. (laughs) And then our, our lesson on movement was just to, like, get the girls thinking about all the creative ways to move your body. Because, a lot of again, a lot of these girls are really into sports 
And so broadening some categories of how to move your body. And then we actually got into an interesting conversation about coaches coaches that just got brought up because of their experiences in sports. Um, But how do you kind of figure out what is a good coach and how does a coach push you, how a coach coaches you, and do you still end up feeling good about yourself was like the main key. Yeah. Even if they have different coaching styles. So we had to think about like the coaches, if they're strict, they have to be like, passionate about this like what you're doing and have to like help you and like make sure you like can like help you get better and if there's just like a strict mean coach then that's a little bit different from like helping you get better so we talked kind of about that yeah so there can be some of that structure and encouragement but it would look really different if the tone was like like mean or unkind or not as passionate they're like oh this like you're just, like, doing really bad and, like, don't help you, mm-hmm. like, do, like, get better, which, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so did you all have goals in mind in terms of how how to get the girls thinking about role models or, or kind of what to value in, throughout the whole conversation? Well, our main agenda with it, with this was it can be really helpful to have people to look to about how how to do life in relationship to body and food, but also just in general, because life is so difficult. And if you have someone to look to for guidance about how to do it, that makes it all so much easier. And and certainly having someone to look to who you value and is a personal hero of yours, that makes it, it it offers sort of a a pathway. Mm -hmm. That was our main agenda, but the, the qualities that they really shared about maybe can you Hannah do you want to share about some of the qualities that people talked about or the people they were thinking of as role models yeah sure okay so I remember one girl said I think Mm. she said she really looked up to people who are like fearless because she like really felt drawn to like an Olympian who was she liked who was really fearless and then I remember saying my sister because she's very loyal Mm. Yeah, just kind of kindness and, like, loyalty. I love that those qualities are so deep. Mm -hmm. (laughs) There was probably 30 words we listed up on the whiteboard. Yeah. Yeah. And the girls were able to communicate them very easily. It was neat. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And they were all wonderful qualities. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, Hannah, if... If other girls were going to kind of go through the same process that you went through and learned all this stuff, what would you hope that they could get out of it? Just to, like, understand that they are who they are and they don't need to change to be someone else or to look like somebody else or to eat different or to, like, just change their body because they feel like they are not good enough as other people. Mm. That's a really powerful idea. And we had the clients at Opal write messages to the students in our class. At the end of class last night, we passed around all the messages that our clients had for them, sort of these, what would you want a 10-year-old to know that maybe you didn't know, and write it on a Post-it note, and we passed them around, and they and we read all of them. This is very. Do you remember any of them? I think my favorite one was you don't have to be good at something to like like it. If it gives you at least two seconds of joy, then it's worth doing. And yeah, it was fun. Even like some of the girls were like, "Ooh, can we write notes back to them?" So actually, today 
some people are going to hand the notes back to the clients that that you guys that wrote. we responded yeah. to them. Yeah, it was really neat to see mm. all the notes that they wrote back. <laughs> it was like passing yeah. notes, but in this uh, really fun way, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. And throughout the course of the workshop, we were we were highlighting some of the work we do with the clients. So mm-hmm. I think the the kids felt connected the clients and we were at Opal in the space so that was a neat connection of even if though the clients weren't in the room I think the kids were making those associations which was fun yeah and like especially it was fun to do at the end because like everything we learned before we could just be like oh that's a great note but now we're like like digging a little deeper and getting more meaningful notes back to them that's so cool. Mm. I bet they'll love them. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining us, Hannah. You're welcome. It's been fun to talk with you and get to yeah. hear your different ideas about the workshop. And thank you to Kara and Lexi for sort of explaining some of the work that you've been doing with younger women. Yeah, sure. Girls. Um, yeah. Very fun. If you want to find out more about Opal, please follow the link in our description box to our website at opalfoodandbody.com. You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, too, so you can connect and know what's happening more on a day-to-day basis. Um, thank you so much to Jack Straw Cultural Center for sound engineering, to Aaron Davidson for the Appetites original music, and to Hans Anderson for editing. If you enjoyed this episode and want to be up to date on new releases, please make sure you subscribe to The Appetite on your preferred podcast app so that you can be in touch. Also, if you have the time, please review the podcast. Uh, Leave us a little comment. Give us some stars and let us know how you're liking it. Talk to you next time. Bye.